the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program was pre-recorded, and the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. Welcome to Education Nation, where we tackle the biggest issues in American education. School is now in session. Here are your hosts, Headmaster Rebecca Hagstrom and co-host Mark Durkin. Well, good evening and thank you for joining us here on Education Nation. I am your headmaster and host, Rebecca Hagstrom, and it's a privilege to join you here every Saturday evening on AM 1280 The Patriot. And of course, I am joined in studio again by my wonderful producer of Education Nation and my co-host, Mark Durkin. Nice to see you again, Rebecca. How are you this week? I'm doing great. I had a very, very, very busy week. I know. Uh, Looking forward to a little bit of rest and relaxation this weekend. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, for more than 150 years, the Blaine Amendments, which now exist in 37 states, have prohibited the use of government funding to benefit religious schools and other organizations. SCOTUS acknowledges the initial Blaine Amendment proposal was drafted to protect the Protestant monopoly over the public schools, motivated by fear of the influence new Catholic immigrants were going to bring. And in today's America, we've seen a shift in the public schools from generic Protestant education to a secularized education model compatible with Common Core. And it is safe to say that much of the resistance to school choice with religious options is motivated by the same fear and control that somehow a religious-centered instruction is perceived to be a threat to the agendas of modern-day educational structures. Well, such government resistance to school choice in the state of Montana now has the attention of the U.S. Supreme Court. The Montana legislature's creation of a K-12 scholarship program funded via private donations and tax credits is facing an obstacle from the state's revenue department, a rule that excludes the religious from the scholarship program. Parents are suing, and the unconstitutionality of the Blaine Amendments is once again under the microscope. Joining us in studio for the next two weeks to discuss the case in Montana is attorney Anthony Sanders. Mr. Sanders is a senior attorney and the current director of the Center for Judicial Engagement, and he educates the public about the proper role of judges in enforcing constitutional limits on the size and scope of government. As a senior attorney, Anthony also litigates cutting-edge constitutional cases protecting economic liberty, private property, freedom of speech, and other individual liberties in both federal and state courts across the country. That's right. And one area of Anthony's expertise is on using state constitutions to protect individual, individual rights. He's litigated several cases in various state courts on state constitutional protections. He's also written several law review articles on state constitutional law. We're honored to have Anthony in studio, who had the privilege of being present at the U.S. Supreme Court for the oral arguments in Espinoza versus Montana Department of Revenue. And he's here to discuss how this Montana case could be paramount in overturning more than 150 years of legalized bigotry against religious liberties. 
that unbelievably still have a place in American law. Anthony, thank you so much for joining us here on Education Nation. Thank you, Rebecca, and thank you, Mark. It's great to be here. I'm really excited to talk about this case that my colleagues at the Institute for Justice have have litigated all the way to the United States Supreme Court. Yes. It'll be interesting to hear more. We're excited. We're going to be having you here this week and again next week. And I hope our listeners can join us for both weeks because you're also getting into some of the drama about the case, too. You, We're going to be talking about that, not just the facts of the case. And, and that's going to be exciting. And, of course, everything that's being discussed here today, if you can't tune in for the full half an hour tonight or next week, you can certainly catch these episodes going forward at ednationmn.org at our podcast. Yes, exactly. Well, let's start by just having you tell the listeners a little bit about who is actually suing whom in this case. Sure. So this is a case that began uh, quite a few years ago now Mm -hmm. in state court in Montana, Mm -hmm. uh, and it concerns a school choice program that the Montana legislature put in place place. Actually, a pretty modest school choice program as as these things go. Mm -hmm. The plaintiffs in the case who filed the lawsuit, our clients at the Institute for Justice, are a few families whose Mm -hmm. children go to a a school, a religious school in Kalispell, Montana, called Mm -hmm. Stillwater Christian School. Okay. They didn't like the local public schools. They didn't like what they were learning there. And they said, well, we're going to put our children into uh, into the school that more is is in line with our values and provides Mm -hmm. a better education. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the legislature passed this program that would help them out. Uh, All the families are are not terrifically wealthy Mm -hmm. by any means. And so this program could afford them a scholarship for their children to be able to go to the school of their choice, which is this particular school. Mm -hmm. Um, The program was passed by the legislature essentially to allow people to give give donations to scholarship organizations, which would be a tax credit. Mm -hmm. And it was a very modest tax credit, $150. Oh, my goodness. Instead of having $150 on your your general state income taxes, Mm -hmm. you could put that into um, this uh, into a scholarship organization. It's really of no benefit other than a psychic benefit, Mm -hmm. uh, as my colleagues had at oral argument (laughs) in the Supreme Court. To the taxpayer, but it, it makes them feel good that they're mm-hmm. helping out yeah. this program. The pro the the scholarship organization then can take that the money it gets from various donors and provide these scholarships. And mm-hmm. it was a, a again a pretty modest program to start out with, uh, but it was it was uh, under the legislation supposed to go to any private school that participated. Um, but the Montana Department of Revenue, when it implemented the program adopted a rule that said actually the funds can only go to uh, a secular private school, Mm -hmm. not a religious private school. And their argument was the Montana Constitution forbids the money from going to a religious school. Now, we disagreed with that, that reading of the Montana Mm -hmm. Constitution. We also said that um, that even if that's true, that that violates the United States Constitution because the United States Constitution is – uh, superior to state constitutions in our system of government. And so we, a, a public interest law firm, the Institute for Justice, represented these parents and filed a lawsuit in state court in Montana uh, to have that rule be declared invalid. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's how the lawsuit got going. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Very interesting. 
and truly very modest, one hundred and fifty dollars. <laughs> that, that doesn't even add right. up to the scholarship. One, right? The scholarship well, is more than, than that. But no, no, yeah, no I understand. But I mean, even the tax deduction. I mean, that is pretty small. Right. You know, you're not talking because I know in Minnesota they had the opportunity scholarships yes. before the the um, state legislature a couple of years ago. Twice, and, I believe, and, wasn't it? Yeah, and yeah. I, they were going to get up to five thousand dollars in yes. tax credit. Now deductions are different than. Credits. I right. And this was a that. credit. And this was, oh, it was a credit. It was a credit, yes. but okay. but even so, yeah, $150. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, <laughs> that is still pretty minimal. And um, these opportunity scholarships, I would encourage our listeners to do a little research on them because, um, and we may, maybe we're going to get into this a little bit later in the show, but, um, you know, the argument that tends to go against these things from the left often is, well, we don't want to take money away from the public schools. But these are all privately funded. Private donations, absolutely. Now, in Montana, it is a little bit different. So they were actually able to check a box then. They were going to be able to check a box on their tax form saying, I want $150 of my money that would be... So they're getting direct deduction rather than feeding it into a scholarship fund and then getting a deduction for donating to that fund. Well, they they would give to the... I'm not exactly sure how the mechanics work, but they would contribute directly to the the scholarship organization and they would get that on the the tax. Got it. And what happened was um, that the department was not going to allow the money to go to religious schools. uh, And we got involved and there was a a preliminary injunction in the case that allowed that to go forward. So our clients have been able to get these scholarships um, for for a few years. However, after, which we'll talk about in a bit, the Mm -hmm. ruling at the Montana Supreme Court, um, that is that was very much threatened. And, mm-hmm. and if things don't go our way at the U.S. Supreme Court, they will end after the school year. Right. Okay. Let me just uh, ask this as well, too. Mm-hmm. Um, when the money gets to the uh, scholarship organizations, um, is there kind of an auditing process that's in place then to see how that money gets dispensed to these families? Were there any type of requirements that needed to be uh, met in order to qualify for that $150 for some of these families that were taking uh, advantage of this? Uh, you mean for the families donating? Yeah. Uh, for the families receiving uh, the money, oh, receiving the money. There was schools. so the 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 money then goes to the parents. Okay. Then the parent. And this is a, a common misconception of these mm-hmm. programs. The money does not directly go to the school. Mm-hmm. The right. money goes to the the parent, who then has a decision about where to place that money. I mean, they can't mm-hmm. you know go spend it on something else. They right. have to mm-hmm. spend it in a school of their choice, and then they assign that those funds over to the school. Sure. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to reiterate the choice component there for the parent and yeah. really how they had the advantage. Mm-hmm. Okay. And often they have qualifications even on who can take those scholarships. There usually is an income uh, requirement on those. Not yes. always, but usually. Yeah, yeah. there was in this case. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we've kind of already been talking about this to a degree. Is there anything more that you want to add about what the plaintiffs were asking for at the beginning? And has that changed at all? Or Yeah, and it's uh, be, the, at, the way that school choice law has, has uh, gone in this country, it gets complicated. Yeah. And I will try not to be too lawyerly when I, when I talk <laughs> yeah. about it for your listeners. But what, what they were arguing at first, most basically, was that this rule that the Department of Revenue put in place just did not comport with the statute. Everyone knew what the legislature was trying to do. Um, of course, the definition of, of what schools could participate included religious private schools. Mm-hmm. And no one really disagreed with that. It's just then the, the state agency said, well, we can't do that because it would violate our own state constitution. So then we said, well, actually, the state constitution 
does not prohibit this type of program. Now, you, you mentioned Blaine amendments mm-hmm, earlier, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and some of your listeners, I'm sure, have heard this d- talked about on this program before, mm-hmm. but benefit of, of those who haven't. Um, in the 19th century, there was a, a large movement when there was Catholic immigration to the country, especially the Irish, um, that they did not want Catholicism taught in uh, what back then were called common schools. Today, mm-hmm. we call them public schools. Back then, in public schools, people read the King right. James Bible, right. and right. they talked sure. about religion. Mm-hmm. But it was a generic Protestantism that was talked mm-hmm. about. And they did not want Catholics setting up their own schools and money going to those schools and, 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 you know, and, and, and helping those, um, those papists, uh, as, <laughs> right. as they were called. <laughs> so um, there was a movement to actually amend the United States Constitution to prohibit mm-hmm. that kind of aid. That failed. But uh, instead, a total of 37 states adopted this kind of provision in their own state constitution. Some of them through amending their constitutions and then actually Congress passed legislation that as new states came into the union, such as Montana in Mm -hmm. 1889, they would have to have a provision like this in the constitution. Really? I didn't even know that part. Now, now some of the, some of these over the years, some courts, state Supreme courts, when they've interpreted their own constitutions, haven't interpreted them to not forbid this kind of program where Mm -hmm. a parent is making the choice about where the money goes, Mm -hmm. not, direct aid to a church or direct aid to a a school controlled by a church. Mm -hmm. But some states have interpreted them to indeed affect a program like this. Um, And as as we'll see, one of them was Montana. There's a few other states that that we call them bad Blaine's, Blaine Mm -hmm. Blaine amendments that really do prohibit, uh, have been interpreted to prohibit this kind of program. Correct. Correct. Yeah. So, you know, at the very beginning, we announced this as, you know, these Blaine amendments are bigotry. And, and, you know, you really just explained to our listeners why that is, because the whole point of them and Blaine was an individual who I think was the person who first tried to pass that legislation at the federal level, thus Blaine amendments. But um, it really was set up. It's set out to try to keep Catholic faith and Catholic beliefs out of the common schools, which is a bigoted Goal. And so. the, the language, the language says sectarian. You can't yes, have aid to right. a sectarian school. And back then, everyone knew that sectarian meant uh, Roman Catholicism. Yeah. Now uh, today, we think we think of uh, and it, it, that word is read to mean religious. Right. So it, today they're interpreted right mm-hmm. to mean that you could have aid going to some kind of of non-religious non-governmental entity, but mm-hmm. not to a religious one. And that's where the intent of the original authors in anything always is so important because they really didn't mean that when they put these Blaine Amendments put together. Right. You they know? meant something yes. that is unconstitutional. Yes, yes exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what what happened to the case before it got to the Supreme Court? Let's talk about how things uh, developed over in the yes. state of Montana. And, and you know, the, the life of any just about any case that gets all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court, it, you can write a book about. I mean, there have been some wonderful books written about U.S. Supreme Court cases. Uh, maybe one day this will this will be one of those. Uh, there was, as I said, a, a, an injunction at the at the lower court, so that's a trial court in Montana that allowed the program to go forward. Later, we actually won on behalf of our parent uh, parent clients at the trial court. The, the court just said, you know, this rule it it doesn't pass 
it, it conflicts with the legislation the Montana legislature passed, and also I don't it doesn't violate the state constitution. It's a pretty simple ruling. Mm-hmm. That was appealed by the Department of Revenue to the Montana Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. And then the Montana Supreme Court ruled in December of 2018 that the Montana Constitution uh, does not allow really any kind of aid in any way, even if it's filtered through a parent, uh, through the parent's own choice, to a religious institution, uh, to a religious school. Now, mm-hmm. they said they, it would be perfectly fine under the court's ruling to have a under the state constitution to have a program that had aid go to a private secular school. Uh, but, uh, but because money was going to religious schools and it did not distinguish between religious and secular schools in the legislation, it violated the Montana constitution. And then also they went on and said, because it doesn't distinguish between the two, we don't really see a way that the the Department of Revenue can make this work in a constitutional way. And so the whole program has to go. Mm-hmm. So nobody could get – so mm-hmm. what, whatever mm-hmm. kind of private school you're going to, no one could get any scholarships after that and, and enjoin the entire program or said the entire program is, is unconstitutional. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, they also said – and this was a very short analysis, but they also said we don't see a problem here – under the federal constitution. It doesn't violate the establishment cause of the federal constitution. It doesn't violate the free exercise of the constitution, both of which, of course, are in the First Amendment. They didn't think their own ruling did? Right. They didn't think the Blaine Amendment They didn't think the Montana constitution, as they had interpreted it, so the Blaine Amendment, Mm -hmm. violated the United States constitution. Mm -hmm. That was a very short analysis. Mm -hmm. So we're left with, after that ruling, you know, we, we... don't, in a sense, have anyone tr- being treated unequally, religious or non-religious, because the program is in, in its entirety has, has been destroyed. But that's because of this interpretation of the Montana Constitution, which we were arguing violates the First Amendment. Yes. So it was from that ruling that we then petitioned to the United States Supreme Court. Got it. Got it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, before we turn our attention, you know, to the case making its way to the Supreme Court, let's again just focus for a moment on Montana's Constitution's Blaine Amendment. We've been talking about that. There is an argument as to why the Blaine Amendment violates the U.S. Constitution's Free Exercise Clause, as well as the Equal Protection Clause and the Establishment Clause. Tell us why the Blaine Amendment violates the Free Exercise Clause and why the 2002 Supreme Court case of Zellman versus Simmons-Harris was such an important case for proponents of school choice. Yes. So this gets forgotten about in all this. This is another uh, case that the Institute for Justice with, was involved with, which really allowed school choice programs to go for, forward. This case called Zellman from 2002. That case was about the Cleveland, uh, Cleveland, Ohio voucher program, where similar program, although it was it was actual uh, vouchers, not not tax credits, mm-hmm. where a parent could take that voucher and pull their ch- child out of a failing public school and go to a another school of their choice, including uh, a secular private school or religious private school. Mm-hmm. And the court ruled there that that is okay under the establishment clause of the First Amendment. That that is is not create an establishment of a religion. Right. It's the parent's choice of which school to go. It's not direct aid to uh, a religious establishment. Mm-hmm. So that meant that these these programs are okay under the federal constitution. But 
we have two layers of uh, protection against mm-hmm. the government in this country. One's the federal constitution and one's your local state constitution. So the question is, well, are these programs okay under state constitutions? And the, there's been various litigation in the, the 18 years since them about whether they're okay under different state constitutions. And one of those barriers has been Blaine. In fact, the primary barrier has mm-hmm. been Blaine Amendment. So the question here then is, okay, well, if a Blaine Amendment is saying that you can't have this program, does that in itself have some kind of problem under the federal constitution? So no one is saying that a state has to have a school choice program in order to not violate the federal constitution. You could have a state that just has public schools, and we might not think that's great policy, but just has public schools, and that's fine. But if they choose to then have a program that cuts out religious schools but funds secular schools, is that— Secular private schools. Secular private schools, right. right. Mm -hmm. Is that a problem? And that's our argument, is that that violates the free exercise clause because it's discriminating against religion. It also has Mm -hmm. a problem under the establishment clause because, in in a sense, it is government favoring— non-religion over religion, which has Mm -hmm. an establishment element to it. Um, And also we make a claim that under just the Equal Protection Clause of the 14th Amendment, which is we we hear all all, uh, the time about various forms of governmental discrimination, that this is discriminating against religious uh, observers. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Mm Yeah, and again, you've kind of touched on this a little bit already, but do you just because I think this can be complicated for our listeners? So I think a little bit of redundancy isn't so bad. Sure. Um, can you think of any conflict at all with the free exercise of religion under the First Amendment if a stat a state passes a neutral program featuring student aid? No. So okay. if a, if a if a state passes a program that is okay under the Zellman case, so that's mm-hmm. where the, the aid comes to a parent, and then the parent chooses what kind of education they want to provide for their child. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that can include religious schools, it can include secular schools, mm-hmm. then that is perfectly fine under the um, under the uh, free the exercise. exercise clause. Okay, that's, that's good to know. So then they are, or you are, your, your team is featuring a case um, where the point, or the, the sorry, the Montana people are featuring a case on Trinity Lutheran versus Cameron. Is it in 2017? Yeah, the tr- Trinity Lutheran. That was case. a Missouri case, correct? That's okay. right. Okay, right. Yeah. Sorry, the Montana, the Montana people that you're representing right now, um, you're using that case also to kind of help support your case before the Supreme Court. Is that correct? That's right. So that case actually involved Missouri's Blaine Amendment. Yes. Mm-hmm. But instead of the controversial issue of um, of religious education, it involved the much less controversial issue of <laughs> recycled tires for playgrounds. <laughs> Which is, it's, it is such, it, I have to say that Burn when that rubber. court was yep. before the Supreme Court, I had to chuckle a little bit about the fact that this is really at issue and this is going to have us, give us exactly. some religious yeah. freedom and yeah. some school choice opportunity. <laughs> and that, <laughs> Let's explain to our listeners. Yes. They're probably thinking, what are they talking about right now? And the funny thing <laughs> is that the ruling in that case by Chief Justice Roberts, he said, you know, in the long run, this 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 case really only concerns a few skin knees. Yes. Yeah. But it actually concerns a larger principle as yes, well. Yes, it does. Can you so, explain what that is? Yeah. yeah. So there, in that case, the state of Missouri had a program where they would take uh, recycled tire material and then give it in grants to um, to uh, 
providers of uh, uh, of preschool, mm-hmm. and they could use it in their in, in their playgrounds instead of having you know dirt or cement. Right. You would have the nice soft rubber. Mm-hmm. They did not, however, provide it to preschools connected with churches because they the government said our uh, state constitution does not allow for that. The Blaine mm-hmm. Amendment mm-hmm. that. Uh, went all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court, and and the Supreme Court actually seven to two. So it mm-hmm. was it was not crossed, one of these. Cr- yes. Yeah, it was it's cross ideological mm-hmm. lines. What you usually think of with these close five to four mm-hmm. rulings said that yeah that that violates the free exercise clause mm-hmm. because you're you're discriminating against a, a group just because they're religious and and just mm-hmm. because money comes from the government to uh, a faith based group does not make it unconstitutional. Right. right. So uh, that then created a precedent where the next question is, well, does that apply to a school choice program? Mm -hmm. Um, There was a footnote in that case that essentially tried to say, this case is only about recycled tires, nothing else. (laughs) (laughs) They wanted to try to limit it. (laughs) Right. And you could tell what was going on there Mm -hmm. with some justices maybe wouldn't want to go the rest of the way to school choice. Some justices actually didn't join that footnote, but the rest of the opinion, because they said, come on. You know, how, how can we distinguish it on that basis? Right, right. And so now that question truly is before the court. Uh, we mm-hmm. petitioned to the Supreme Court. It's called a writ of certiari. Hmm. That uh, is how usually you, you appeal these things to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court does not have to take the case. Uh, the very few cases the Supreme Court have to take. In fact, it only takes about 1% of the really? around 10,000 wow, petitions I did not know that. that are filed every year. Um, now, most of those are, are, are prisoners with, you know, not maybe not a lot of hope mm, in their in mm-hmm. their in their appeal. But thousands are actually paid attorneys who are trying their hardest for their client. Uh, and a very small percentage of those are taken. Um, well, lo and behold, ours was taken near the end of June of, of last year. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's been. It's been a lot of work since then to to get to the get arguments yeah. for the whole, justices. A, a whole, um, not quite a year, but almost a year. Um, just out of curiosity, how do they decide which cases they're taking? Is that is that done by a group of the Supreme Court judges, or do they all get to weigh in on which cases yes. they take? So all the justices vote on whether to take a certain petition or lot, and their mm-hmm. their law clerks do a lot of work for them in, in to trying prepare. to figure sure. all that out. There needs to be four votes to take a case. So okay. not the five you would need to then win the case. Mm-hmm. But if there's four votes from the justices, then they will, will take that case. And uh, we were lucky enough to uh, to be taken. Yeah, that's excellent. Really excellent. Well, we are getting near the end here, Mark. I, Do you yeah. want to try to... You know, I think this is a good stopping place so because <laughs> next week we can uh, discuss how the case went to the Supreme Court. You did touch on that a little bit, but it would be good uh, in terms of just uh, repeating some of those uh, points there and really just how hard it was to get there. And we can mm-hmm. we'll start our show next and week. And one on question that leave your audience hanging is how early in the morning do you have to get up to be assured a seat inside the Supreme Court. Wow. It's earlier than you might think. Great, the great are, cliffhanger there, yes. Anthony. I like it. I like it a lot. And I just want to remember or remind our listeners, rather, too, that uh, we did do an extensive number of shows on the Blaine Amendments. Yes. We go into the history of James G. Blaine, and you can go back to our podcast at ednationmn.org and scroll uh, down uh, towards the bottom, and you will see the title uh, calling for those shows on the Blaine Amendments. Absolutely. And also, you can like us on Facebook at Education Nation Radio. 
Radio. And as uh, Mark said, our podcasts are at ednationmn.org. Thank you so much for being in the studio today, Anthony. We are so grateful for you being here and yes. your expertise and your experience. You're very knowledgeable and well-spoken and glad to have you here today. Well, it's been great to be here. Thank you both. Thanks. And Mark, thank you as always. Always enjoy doing shows with you and Good look to forward to spending again, yep. uh, this time in the studio together again next week. Let's do it. All right. Thanks for our listeners. Have a good night.